0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends, and uh, welcome to another edition of the Bleedlos podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at FOCO. FOCO.com, FOCO, F-O-C-O. They have all the things for fandom that you may want. They've uh, done a phenomenal job with... Uh, with these World Series bobbleheads that they've been dropping for the Dodgers. World Series champions, I should say. Uh, for anyone that uh, needs to just be reminded the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers are the 2020 defending World Series champions. Yeah, get up out of here with that. Anyway, uh, they've been doing a great job with these uh, these bobbleheads. They, uh, they just dropped the Tommy Lasorda one. I just missed it. I'm super bummed about it. But you can uh, keep an eye on those bobbleheads as they're dropping. Yeah, we we've uh, you know because they've been working with us, uh, they've uh, they've given us a little bit of the inside scoop, if you will, on what's coming in. So uh, keep an eye on our Twitter handle at Dodgers Beat, and uh, you'll see what the uh, the fine folks of Foco folk are working for, but or working on. But in the meantime, if you click on the link for the description for this podcast, click on that guy, it'll take you to uh, to their website. Add whatever you want to your cart, and upon checkout, a discount will be applied for being a listener to this year podcast. <clears throat> excuse me so again no promo code under of that jazz just click on the link add whatever you want to your cart and then upon checkout the discount will be applied as always terms and conditions do apply please see their website for more details big huge thanks for uh for to Foco for the consideration and uh for supporting this podcast and uh lastly our good friends at lead uh we we talk a lot about uh uh the merchandise and stuff like that right well, Bleedlos has solid merchandise. All the Dodgers merchandise you can think of, they have. Uh, the Joe Kelly Fight, Ch- Fight Club shirt, they got it. El Culici, they have stuff for him too. Walker Buehler, they got that stuff too. Check it out, Bleedlos.com. For being a a loyal listener to this here podcast, if you use the promo code BleedlosPod, you will save 10% on your purchase uh, at at checkout. So, terms and conditions do apply to them as well. Please see their website for more details. But uh, uh, BleedLose.com, huge thank you, thank you, thank you for their consideration. And uh, once again, to you guys, the fans, thank you for listening and subscribing and rating our podcast. It means a lot to us. Uh, And please continue to do so. And uh, without further ado, here is another edition of the BleedLose Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's your boys, Alonso y Juan, with the baby face gimmick voice in the sky, Roger. We, uh, we are 10 games in to the season, and, uh, and it flew by like that, though. But uh, as we kind of go back and look at everything from this week, I feel like it was a good week. What do you think, Juan?
1: I would say so. I mean, any time that you can go five and one in a week. I think that's a, a very good week for for the Dodgers even though I know babyface is upset because you know babyface and for at least this week I think babyface is right the Dodgers very easily could have gone 6 and 0 that Wednesday game in Oakland uh was was tough to watch especially not only the end with Jansen but uh the runners in scoring position you know my favorite stat left on base uh on Wednesday. And, and actually you can go back to the Colorado series, the games where the Dodgers have lost this, this year has been their, their, um, their bad performances with runners and scoring position.
0: And, uh, and as we kind of go back and look at that one, I have a question for you. Who was the starting pitcher in that game?
1: For Wednesday's game.
0: Yes. This uh, that was easy. Trevor Bauer. Yes. Uh as we speak of Trevor Bauer as we look back At the week uh, if you recall There is also you know there's just a Small ballgate, is what I'm going to call it uh, and, and it's it's kind of important To bring up because apparently the Dodgers At least Dave Roberts thinks that they're uh, They may be uh, uh, Picking at a one Trevor Bauer Obviously Trevor's had it from everything We you know everything we can tell It's had himself uh, a couple of quality starts If you will you know nothing aside From Wednesday being the outcome that it was Be that as it may But uh, What say you about that situation as we kind of look back on the week?
1: Well, I mean, we called it, you know, if you go back and you listen to some of our earlier episodes, we said that Trevor Power was going to be a marked man. He put, and yes, he put a target on his own back because he's been very critical of the Houston Astros. So, I I mean, I, I knew, I felt they were going to go after him. Now, my question to you is how soon are we going to how, how soon are we going to get a response i mean how soon are we going to know whether they're going to do anything to him and did you guys see his uh, his I, it wasn't a post conference but when he addressed the media after they had made that announcement uh, about his balls being investigated uh he said a lot of the same things that we said on on previous episodes how do they know When they look at those balls, how do they know that it's going to be coming from Trevor Bauer, that Trevor Bauer was the one messing with those? Because, as we pointed out, the catchers use pine tar, the outfielders use pine tar, the infielders use pine tar. I mean, if there's so many people that are using pine tar on the field and so many people are touching the ball... I I don't know how they're going to get back and and pin this on Bauer. And if they do pin it on Bauer, and let's say Bauer is the only one that gets busted from this, I do think Dave Roberts is right. Then it does look like Bauer is getting singled out.
0: I I, I will say this. uh, Having the mind of a 12-year-old when you say all those things about balls is incredibly difficult to not laugh uh so my apologies. I was, I was i was
1: waiting for the drop to come in and that's what she said but you know. I, I,
0: as as a mid-30s year old man uh i uh, i i did my best to be the better man
1: we are all adults here come on now this is a serious podcast about baseball
0: allegedly uh i mean here here's the thing if there's anything that i've learned about mlb and if anything the last episode that we that we dropped with adrian gonzalez uh he talked about this a little bit they'll send you a letter and they'll kind of randomly send it to you. It could be a couple days after, you know, whatever. could be a month later, like Adrian pointed out in that example. And then from there, they might just quietly fine you because you don't really ever hear about those fines, and that's it. But if I know anything about Trevor Bauer, if he receives any of those letters, if he receives any notifications like that, or if his agent, Rachel Luba, gets that, which they wouldn't, they'll just send it to the player. Um, he would have make it known, right? He he would have make it known. Hey, this is what happened. This is what came of this. Yada yada yada. My my whole thing on it is is regardless the way that he went about it from the get go, obviously put a target on himself. So as long as he's going out there and, and doesn't do anything incriminating, should be good. Be that as it may, though, everyone does it. Everyone does it. There's you know the more that this has been explored, uh, there's been more blatant examples, if you will, of of pitchers doing it right. And, and, uh, and that's just where the, where the issue is where MLB opened up a can of worms. That's going to be difficult to put back in because umpires are the ones that are making those discretionary calls about, Hey, pull that baseball, Hey, pull that baseball, get it out of play, give it to, you know, the, the compliance person so if anything, what we're going to learn is that this is more or less going to be kind of, you know, the equivalent to shit uh, because the, the second that, uh, you know, Garrett Cole, if that happens, gets accused of it. Second that, uh, you know, just another example, you know, just to kind of throw out there, John Gray gets accused, you know, again, th- the same things are going to be said by those guys because it's going to be like, what did he do? And the umpires aren't going to say what he did. So that doesn't help the situation, which kind of leads into other issues with this week. I feel like the umpiring has been kind of weird. And by weird, bad. <laughs> the Umpiring has just been terrible this the, you know, for these first 10 days, and I get it. Everyone's getting into the swing of things. And, and we've talked about it a little bit offline. Uh, there was some pretty egregious calls. And one of them was the AJ Paula catch during a Saturday night's game. That was a catch. And it, I don't know how they got that wrong. So I'm kind of curious from your standpoint, how do you feel about how that I mean, obviously, it didn't affect the outcome of the game, thankfully. But you know, kind of how do you feel about the umpiring kind of up to this point? Because it's not just, you know, that call. There's been other terrible, terrible calls.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think this is nothing new, right? I mean, earlier in the week, we saw, I, I, I know you and I talked about this. There was a video going on on Twitter and probably other socials about Angel Hernandez and how terrible his strike zone is, right? And if you had watched uh, Bellino in in the Dodgers-Oakland series, his strike zone was terrible, and it was for both sides. I don't think technology helps these poor guys at all. I think technology really makes these guys look bad. And the thing is, is if we're going to use all this, the, if we're using replay in the game, then I don't know why. What's it going to take for us to actually use that robot? not robot umpires but that robot strike zone i mean every telecast is showing you where the strike zone is every telecast is showing you whether it was a strike or a ball so these umpires i don't i don't envy the position that they're in because look i mean Every, you know, every umpire has their certain strike zone. There are certain uh, umpires that will not give you the high strike, right? Then there's other umpires that will. There are other umpires that will give you the outside part of the plate. They'll give you the inside part of the plate. And then as a player, as long as you're consistent, you adapt to it and then you go ahead and play the rest of the game. But I I think with technology and the fact that the viewer can see every time, oh, man, this umpire is horrible, it doesn't doesn't do any favor for these umpires. And I feel like maybe these umpires maybe are getting worse at their job because of this, or maybe there just is no accountability. I know we've talked about this off air, but it's not like Angel Hernandez is going to get fired anytime soon, even though there is so much proof that he is not very good at his job. So if there is no accountability, if nobody's holding these umpires accountable for their performance, then I don't see how that we're ever going to get a solution to this problem. I think bad umpiring now is just going to be one of those things that it's, it's just part of the game, and the players and the fans all have to accept it.
0: I, I am curious to how much of a, I guess, a, an issue, if you will, Come uh, come, uh, uh, collective bargaining time Some sort of accountability for umpires Is going to come into play um, Because I feel like I mean all, all I thought of when I saw that video The, the Angel Hernandez uh, zone video Literally in my mind Was as those memes would say the audacity Because this is the man that also sued MLB for discrimination Because they didn't make him a crew chief And in my mind it's just like at no point in time Did it ever cross your mind that maybe you just Are not very good at your job And that's crazy to me that, that, that sort of stuff, you know, is happening, but to your point that shows the lack of accountability at that level. Right. And for me that, you know, the substandard umpiring, not all umpires, by the way, there's some that are good out there. And typically if you don't know their names, they're really good. And that's, and that's, you know, and and that's the, you know, obviously I know some of them just having been around the game. Some of them were in the minors when I was in in the game um, and they're really good and you don't know their names. But if you know the Ron Culpas of the world, if you know the Joe West of the world, if you know the Angel Hernandez of the world, there's a reason you know them. It isn't just because they're, you know, it's, it's not because they're a top 10 umpire. You know, there's, there's some baggage there, right? So in my humble opinion, you know, and I would agree with you that there needs to be some level of accountability because if you, if you are going to nitpick at players for stuff, then why can't umpires be held to the same standard? If these are the best of the best on the player level, then why are we kind of settling, if you will For, for umpires that are substandard I'll never understand that for me I, I am not a fan of the robo Call zone, if I'm honest with you um, I'm, a, I'm a purist when it comes to that Because I do understand that there's human error And that's a part of the game, right? But some of these calls That we're talking about, they were Five, six, seven, eight inches off of the plate Obvious to a person that You know, that, that's just watching On TV, so that's where to me you know, I it, you kind of have to. You know, even as a player, you just kind of like what, and uh, and I, I revert back to the uh, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, the Juan uh, Juan Soto meme, uh, where he's given the side eye to Will Will Smith because he framed a pitch perfectly. Like for that, that's acceptable. That's acceptable because that's that's what the pitcher is supposed to or the catcher is supposed to do, right? But when you're just blatantly missing calls, just blatantly, that's not what we need. That's that's not what the game needs. And if anything, I feel like it hurts the game, just because you know. Like you said, you know, there's no accountability, and then here we are. And I'm personally of the thinking as well, if I'm honest with you, that there should be an age limit on umpires. If I'm honest with you, um, because some of those umpires, you know, back in the day, they'd 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 umpire until their their late you know 70s in some cases, and not that there's anything wrong with that. Hey, you want to do that? That's cool. But you've been at this for in some cases for some of those guys 30 plus years, and every you know the game has changed the game has changed generationally you know now it's more analytics driven and we talked about that with Adrian even you know and and you know there's certain things you're not going to see anymore and these umpires are still well my day that was a strike it's like well a strike should be pretty black and white just like a catch should be black and white and that's one of my beasts with uh, with the nfl that a catch is oh it involves an athletic move and that's the thing that i'm afraid of with replay in baseball that they're going to add things to the rule you know what i mean because I mean that AJ that AJ Pollock thing, that was a catch. I, I mean I don't know how that was ruled not a catch. It blows my mind because the ball never hit the ground. The ball was in his glove. It hit the leather of the glove, and did the glove hit the ground? Absolutely. But I mean, last I checked, I didn't know that that would take away a catch. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. I mean those those are really frustrating. When you, when you can't get a replay call right, then I don't understand why we have replay. Right. But going back to what you were talking about holding the umpires accountable, well, before I move on to that, look, if we're going to ac- accept that human error is part of baseball, then I really do think that telecasts need to get rid of that strike zone, that, that strike zone box. Because, you know, fans on TV are going to watch that, and then all you're going to hear about is the pitcher was getting squeezed and and stuff like that. But going back to the umpires being held accountable, it, it is frustrating that there is no accountability for the umpires, because if you're a major leaguer, it's very easy. It's all based on performance, right? If you're not hitting, if you're not pitching well, if you're not getting outs, guess what? You get sent down to the minor leagues, right? Or you no longer have a job. In my day job, if I keep making mistakes or I keep messing up, guess what? I am not going to have a job. The fact that these umpires can just continue to make horrible mistake after horrible mistake and still have job security, that's got to be really frustrating. Now, I don't know how powerful the umpires union is in that I don't know, maybe you, they, there's no way that we're going to be able to prevent that after the season's over, based on your review, based on your performance, guess what? We're sending you down. We're sending you down. And I mean, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where I think, for the most part, like you said, there's a lot of umpires. I don't know who their names are, and I agree with you. If you know an umpire's name, that means they've probably made a bad number of, of, of calls. Uh, so for the most part, I, I think umpiring is, is okay. But yes, I agree with you. When it goes to replay and they don't get the call right, there's just no excuse for that.
0: And to answer uh, uh, your question about the umpires union, so well, one thing with that, so they do have umpires that come up and down. uh You know, they'll they'll go up and down. You know, they need someone to fill in because whatever's going on, so they'll do that. Right? That's normal. It's just like in in, in the major leagues. You know, they they you know they have contracts you know they have to go through through all that stuff just like uh just like players to a certain degree however their union you know they 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 back their guys it's a, you know similar to the MLBPA you know the the MLB uh, uh umpires union that is uh they they do the same you know they back those guys tooth and nail regardless i mean if if you remember the angel hernandez suit was essentially you know was backed if you will by uh by the union the, the umpires union so it's one of those Things where where if you have that sort of Unity if you will then it makes It hard to to you know Collectively bargain that stuff in, in real Time however just like The players union they have their CVA that they have to come to terms with and if the Players push back enough which I suspect they will That's going to be one of those things right I am also of uh, the party Though that I do think that uh, TV should not have The, the little strikes zone. Um, just because there's, there's certain, you know, different factors that, that you don't think about, obviously when, you know, if it's, if it's like a spiked curveball or something like that, it's not going to necessarily hit the strike zone the same way that you see it on TV. So it's one of those things where, you know, we could litigate that all day. But, uh, to your point, uh, I do think that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be enhanced on the umpiring end. And one of them is replay because that was garbage. That was terrible. Uh, but moving on talking about greener pastures and nicer things in the week. Uh we we saw so we saw Luke Rayleigh debut this week. And uh and for those of you that don't know, Luke Rayleigh was was in the 26 or drafted in the 2016 draft. Some other guys that were drafted in that draft, uh you may know him, Gavin Lux, Will Smith, uh Zach McHistory uh, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, Mitch White, just just a handful of guys, no, no big deal. That are all in that, you know, some guys are calling it a a, a prolific uh draft class. But uh what it boils down to, though, is, you know, McKinstry's had himself a great week, but he's also been, you know, afforded the opportunity based on injury. And uh, and unfortunately, you know, one of those injuries currently, we don't know how bad it is, though, is, is one Mookie Betts. And I know you've been personally worried about that one a little bit, and it looks like they're they're shooting for, uh, for Tuesday for him to start. Uh, you know, Adrian talked about this on our last episode, and I found it as an interesting point of his. He said that the Dodgers... Are one of the very, very few rare teams where they can afford multiple injuries. He, he himself said four. Uh, I I agree with him that the Dodgers have the ability to to you know have that level of uh, flexibility. But if all those names that we just dropped, you know, kind of talks about you know Andrew Finessman, excuse me, Andrew Friedman, uh, and and what you know how they you know the, the just overall the front office of the Dodgers, even pre-Friedman they just did their homework and and now some of that talent is coming up to this level. I know you're worried about Mookie. So first we'll start there. How do you feel about, how about Mookie and, you know, kind of looking into next week, how do you feel about that situation?
1: Yeah, I know you guys always make fun of me and you think I hit the panic button too soon, but I I mean, the thing that concerns me about Mookie is he's missed four games Okay. And there was an off day in between there. Okay. So he's had five days off. Uh, The thing that concerns me the most is it's the back, you know, that's something that if there is something wrong, or let's say they think, Oh, no, no, I'm fine. And he tries playing through it and he ends up making it worse. That's something that's going to stick with him for the whole season. And that's something that might go ahead and flare up at the worst time during the season. I mean, we already have a situation like that. I mean, Kershaw's back is a ticking time bomb. You don't know how long that back is going to, to, uh, you know, hold up. And the thing is, it's your back. So it's not like it's, I mean, you need it to play the game. So it's not like it is something that you can play through. You're absolutely right. The Dodgers have that luxury because of their depth that you know they can't go ahead afford to give him some extra time my thing is this he's already missed four games bellinger missed i don't know maybe one or two and they immediately almost put him on the injured list so why mookie hasn't been put on the injured list i mean if you're not going to play him i i don't like the idea of playing with one man short on the bench especially with the way that Roberts makes some moves uh, the, uh, the, w- the way he plays the game. So if you're going to already, if you're already committed to we got to give this guy time, we want to be conservative. We want to take precaution on this, then just put him on the injured list. I mean, that's what it's for, right? So I am, I am concerned as because he's missed so much and also because first it started as he's fine He'll be there Friday for opening day for the home opener. Well, it turns out he wasn't there. Now, Saturday, he's not playing. And he didn't play again today. And now we're talking about Tuesday. Now, if he doesn't play on Tuesday, now what happens? Now that's twice that they've said he's going to play and he hasn't played. If he doesn't play by Tuesday, I think you have no other option than to put him on the injured list, call up DJ Peters, and get these guys up there and get them some action because you don't know how long Billinger's going to be out. And I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into more depth, but that those are my concerns about Mookie is that this might end up being a, a hole an injury that could nag him all season. And that's not something I'd like to see.
0: If there's one optimistic thing, I guess, with the Mookie thing is that it's soreness and stiffness and not uh. You know anything more than that uh, Typically when you hear that sort of stuff It may not even require You know cortisone or stuff like that So I mean it's if there's a if there's an optimistic Side to take that's the one The other optimistic side is I feel like if they thought that it was worse Than that they would have I L'd them Already and so that makes me feel a little Better uh, another thing that makes me feel Better is there's an off day tomorrow Tomorrow being Monday so they were Just giving them all the time to rest and I agree With you though. the one guy short thing it, it, that's an issue. Right. But uh, I feel like it's early enough in the season that I'd rather this happen now than September, August, you know, because that's when that sort of stuff gets in the way, you know, because as we've seen, you know, with Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw's had that history of back problems. Right. And granted, a pitcher needs their back, you know, if not more than, than a hitter. Right. And he's been he was able to weather that storm pretty good. And for me, that's huge. The other thing that makes me feel a little better about Mookie, he's not an injury prone, doesn't have a huge history of injuries. So I'm not overly worried. Uh, if anything, I feel like uh, the dude that benefited the most from that, though, was Zach McKinstry. Zach McKinstry had himself a week. And, uh, you know, for him to go out there and step in, you know, some big shoes, you know, with Mookie and, and, you know, to go out there and, and get some RBIs, get some hits, some big hits, home, you know, two home runs, he, you know, he's benefiting huge. And Roger, you, uh, you were the one that picked uh, McKinstry to uh, to step up huge, and obviously it made you forget about, uh, about one Jock and uh, one Kike Hernandez because that those were the guys, that were, they were the stopgaps. So i give you the floor, Roger, for a minute. Your boy Zach went out there and just and was a baseball player this week.
2: Exactly. I mean, that's what Zach McKinstry is. I mean, you look at him, and he's a player. He's a ball player. You just look at him, his entire makeup, he just looks like a ball player. This guy can play the game and he's showing that, you know, he's filling in, you know, in the outfield, he can play in the infield and, you know, he's up there and he's having productive at-bats, you know, he hit one out today, he hit one, you know, aided a little bit by the sun, but um, I think, you know, he might've had a little bit to do with that as well. And, you know, he he knocked in some runs. I mean, he, what he, as of today, he's leading the team in RBIs. He's like, was it third in, in, in average, um, tied for home run on the team. So, I mean, he's, he's doing it. And, you know, uh, I think he, I think he's gonna carry that the entire season. And, you know, Dave Roberts asked him the same thing, and he he thinks he can do this the entire season. So if he does, I mean, I think we may be looking at a, a little early here, but we might be looking at a rookie of the year.
0: Bold. That's a bold, bold, bold <laughs> take. But you know what? That's that's what we're here to do. But I do think that Zach uh, is showing it's gonna it's gonna prove to be difficult when the time comes. The time comes, excuse me uh, for, for someone to go down, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, how, how do you option that guy? You know what I mean? And, you know, speaking of DJ Peters, did you also know that DJ Peters was in that 2016 draft class? So, I mean, that draft class is preposterous. So was Jordan Sheffield. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where all that talent's making it to the big league level and it shows, it shows, um, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, and good for Luke Rayleigh too. Luke Rayleigh had himself a, a major league debut. That's, that's a big thing for anyone. But uh, but be that as it may, a part of it happens because of another injury to one Cody Bellinger. The Cody one, it sounds like it's just it's a contusion. It sounds like you can't run. It doesn't sound to be more serious than that. Hopefully it stays that way. Uh, you know, given how they were talking about it, you know, doing the whole retroactive thing, I don't think they're overly worried about it. But man, this Dodgers team, even with, with Cody Bellinger down, Mookie Betts down, they arrested some guys for other stuff throughout the week as well they still managed to go eight and two and, you know, you're using, you know, kind of a combo of Edwin Rios. You're using uh, 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 Zach McKinstry, like we talked about Luke Rayleigh, you know, map 80, even, even got in on the action. So, I mean, you know, given all that stuff, you know, we haven't even talked about AJ Pollock's banger of a game on Saturday. You know, we haven't talked about Max Muncy going out there and doing the thing. And that just tells you, you know, it's just another indicator of just how good this Dodgers team is. And we haven't even talked pitching yet.
1: No, you know what? It's, it's. I'm glad that you brought up Muncie because you know me. I have been very concerned about what we were going to get from Muncie, but Muncie went seven for sixteen this this week. The guy's hitting three seventy five. Now, I, speaking to what you were saying about the Dodgers and how just ridiculous you know this this start is. Do you guys remember when Corey Seager was hitting like over six hundred yesterday? Yeah, I mean last week. Well, Corey Seager came down to came back to earth this week, right? Corey Seager went five for 27 this week. So it lowered his average to 342, okay? So Corey Seager is not, uh, you know, no longer leading the Dodgers in the hitting, if, if, if you believe that or not. But I think because of these injuries, because Betts went down and because Beller, Bellinger went down, You obviously need guys to pick those guys up. So the fact that McKinstry is doing what he's doing, I think is absolutely fantastic. Muncie has definitely picked up the slack. A guy who we have to mention, and I'm very surprised, not surprised. I'm just very happy to see this. Justin Turner has picked up the slack a lot. Uh, Justin Turner is hitting 378 so far on the season. He's got two home runs. And he's been out there, you know, carrying the offense, so to speak, this week. So for me, I think it's huge that we see Turner and Muncie uh, being successful. Another thing I think I saw this a lot on the socials was the Chris Taylor love. Chris Taylor not only is huge, not just because, you know, I mean, he, he went five for 16 this week. But what Chris Taylor does is he's I mean, he's playing center field. You know, we thought we were going to see Chris Taylor the majority of the time, either at second base or in left field. So you have that luxury where Bellinger goes down and now you got Chris Taylor out there in center field and he doesn't miss a beat. It's not like I look, I do think Cody is probably a better center fielder than Chris Taylor, but you don't miss much with Taylor out there in center field. So I think that's very encouraging for the Dodgers that you have these guys and it just, again, it's, we've said this. I know we sound like a broken record, but it's ridiculous that you have these guys who may not be superstars, but just consistently put up numbers that help you win games. Well,
0: and and to add to that as well, uh, one, Austin Barnes, uh, Baby Mookie, as uh, Roger calls him, had himself, you know, pretty good pretty good a uh, a couple starts there since he mainly only plays when uh, when Kershaw throws. Uh you know, five hits. He's got 3 RBIs slashing 278. So I mean, he listen, th- this team it's crazy too because a guy that uh that we haven't even brought up yet that I feel like un- unjustifiably gets lost. Well, we brought him up already, but he he gets lost in the fray of stuff if you will, is AJ Pollock because he plays in an outfield with two other superstars and Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts. Obviously Mookie Betts is in my opinion the second best baseball player on the planet. But it's one of those things where he kind of gets overshadowed if you will. And he's going out there, you know, with four RBIs, seven hits, uh, you know, hitting 226, but those hits were huge. H- huge hits and we saw last night, you know, what he did on Saturday night and defensively he was there too so it's one of those things where this team they, they they surprise you a little bit um you know coming you know coming in hot with everything i mean jt had himself uh you know he his average is only 378 it's fine it's not a big deal you know 36 year old jt just out there raking and uh and 14 hits so i mean it, it's one of those things where jt has kind of been notorious for starting a little slow you know not not starting as, as fast as he has but man he he's in He's in the pocket now, as we say in 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 the drumming world, and he's feeling it. And the thing about it is, too, is his glove hasn't taken a step back either. You know, that's the one thing that I know some people were worried about is that he, uh, you know, he might he might be missing a step now. You know, going into age thirty six season, I'm one of those people, and and so far he's proven us all wrong.
1: Even though Babyface is worried about his throws to first base, right? Babyface, get in on this.
2: Yeah, some of those. I mean, I think they were more they were they were more kind of just you know laxy days daisical type of throws. I mean he kind of just picked them up and kind of just chucked them over there, it looked like. So I think they were kind of you know, combination of that and you know, but, but I think he's you know last couple of games he's improved. So so not not too worried about that.
1: Well, I mean, all his errors this season are all throwing errors.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah another guy too that's that's
0: surprised i feel like some people is uh gavin lux. gavin lux is is quietly you know doing his thing getting that on job training even as a stolen bag and uh and i feel like you know we've talked about this with with the keys to the kingdom if you will. uh you know they've for sure given him the keys to the kingdom because he's been this you know the everyday second baseman. uh what what say you juan about a uh, about a uh, gavin's uh, uh you know foray into the 2021 season?
1: Well, I will say this. I, I, I really loved Galen, Gavin Lux last week. This week, I'm a little nervous because the last four games he he's been shut down a little bit. I mean, this week he, he went two for 19 this week. So it is interesting for me to just to keep an eye on him, to see how he bounces back next week. Uh, because prior to the, probably the last game in Oakland, Uh, he was, I mean, he was solid. He was hitting over 300. I mean, it was great. This was gravy what we were getting by Gavin Lux and he was playing really good defense, you know, and he was able to spell, you know, see at end shore a game. So I I was liking everything I was seeing about Gavin Lux. Now it also probably makes a difference uh, when you face some more quality, you know, better quality pitching. I mean, Joe Ross on Friday for the nationals was lights out and I did not expect that from Joe Ross, and then today Scherzer, I mean, he's Max Scherzer, I and mean, you're you're going to take a a collar a lot of the times when Max Scherzer's on the mound, so I, I will say this about uh, Gavin Lux, I, I want to see how he bounces back, I mean, this happens to every player during the season, they do hit a little low, there, there is a patch, a little rough patch, so I am curious to see if he can bounce back, but if booth if excuse me, if Mookie comes back and Bellinger comes back, even if Gavin Lux continues to struggle with the way McKinstry is playing, I'm I'm okay with that. I, I'm okay because that means McKinstry can go ahead and play second, you know, and then Chris Taylor can play second. One of the things that I I think is going to be something to watch once Mookie and Bellinger come back. McKinstry might have a hard time getting on the field and if he continues to play well, I mean, that might be a problem because it's like, how, how do we keep this guy off the field and who do we set? I mean, I know the Dodgers can get creative. I know, I don't know about you guys, but I was scratching my head when I saw that Edwin Rios was playing right field uh, today. So I was just like, Oh, okay. We're going to, we're going to do that. Huh?
0: Well, I think the reason they're doing that is just to see what they can get out of everyone. Because Edwin, obviously, they've tried him at the corner. Uh, you know, McKinstry, you know, I feel like they're they're trying to do like the Kike thing where they want to see and how many positions they can put him in. And that's a great – listen, that's a great problem to have. If you can find a guy that, that can hit and you just need to find a way to get him into the game, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, again, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the, the lack of Mac Beatty. We talked about that last week. You know, I find it interesting that, you know, he, he was able to get in on some action this week, of course, but uh, but they still really haven't been able to regularly get him in. Right. Uh, so so that's of a concern, especially when you're trying to have, you know, a replacement for Jock, a replacement for Kike. Obviously, Zach is one of those guys. Right. But who is that second super sub, if you will? And right now, it's, I feel like it's Edwin Rios. Uh, so it, it's one of those things where, where you're trying to find that balance as far as that goes. But adding to the completeness of this team, Dodgers pitching, starting rotation—you know—we'll start there. No pun intended. That has been fantastic. You know, the Dodgers starters over the last eight games, they have a one point six one ERA, and none have allowed more than three runs in a game during that stretch. So, you know, obviously that's why they're pulling those baseballs because you know they just the the way that they're pitching, it's insane. And Kershaw today. I mean, Kershaw threw a gem. Six innings pitched, uh, zero earned runs, zero walks, six strikeouts on on a pretty efficient eighty six pitches for for Kershaw. And what's insane about Kershaw too today was Clayton's one hundred and ninety eighth start at Dodger Stadium, counting both the regular season and postseason. It was his forty eighth scoreless start there. That that's an insane stat, and it, it's one of those things where it kind of shows you the 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 legend, if you will, the lore uh, of Kershaw, you know, because we talked about it last week, you know, who we expected to bounce back, and one of those guys was Clayton. And, listen, he had himself a hell of a week. Trevor Bauer, all things considered, had himself a hell of a week. Dustin May had himself a hell of a week, you know, all things considered. All these guys did. Uh, so, based on that, you know, obviously the Dodgers swept, you know, the, the Nationals, and they went out and, and they, you know, the way that everything went down with the A's and whatnot, but all things considered, how do you feel about the Dodgers pitching rotation going into, you know, this, the, the third week, if you will.
1: Look, I, I think this is fantastic. We talked about this on our last episode. I subscribe to that Aussie G theory where the starters need to give me six innings. And if, as long as you give me six innings, we're, we're good. and, Every Dodgers starter up until this point has pitched into the sixth inning. So I think it's fantastic. Clayton Kershaw talk about bouncing back from that opening day start. He had himself. You're absolutely right. He had himself a hell of a week. I mean, he went seven innings in Oakland on Tuesday, and then he went six innings today. He had 14 strikeouts this week with zero bases on balls. I mean, that to me is just like, yeah, yeah. The reports that Clayton Kershaw has done are very premature. I think he still has uh, some baseball in him, and it could be what you were just what you had mentioned was that you know he was pitching in course Field that first start, and it was affecting his his breaking pitches because between the Oakland start and the pit, and the start today. He looked, he looked fantastic. I mean, his ERA off after that opening day start was over seven. His ERA now is 2.89. Now, yes, let me point out, because I'm sure maybe some listeners are saying, who have the Dodgers played? They have played the Rockies. They have played the Oakland Athletics. They have played the Nationals. The Nationals are one in five. I think Oakland maybe finally won another game. Maybe they have two wins on the season and Colorado is Colorado. they are already five games out. So yes, maybe the competition is not up to, 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 standards, but this is what championship teams do. They win the games that they're supposed to do. And so far three series into the season, the Dodgers have won every season. I, I mean, every series. So I think the starting, you can't rave enough. I think for the most part, and it's, it's funny to say this being that I think there's been about three games this season where the Dodgers have scored in double digits. So for me to sit there and say that the starting pitching has been carrying this team, look, they won a game one to nothing on Friday. And if it wasn't for McKinstry today, you were looking at another one, nothing gem today. So Yes, they were facing better pitching with Ross and Scherzer, but the the, the Dodgers starting pitching. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Walker Buehler. Walker Buehler, who is a notorious slow starter to the season, has an ERA of 1.50. I mean, he pitched a hell of a game for the home opener. So the Dodgers starting pitching, I mean, the only thing now that you worry about is can this hold up? Health-wise, can they continue to pitch like this? I mean, Julio, he was a little shaky in that sixth inning uh, on Saturday night. But, I mean, they they won the game. Like I said, the starters are giving them length. So I I think this is a fantastic start for the Dodgers starting pitching, especially looking at how they were towards the end of spring training. So, again, another reminder that spring training means nothing. And at this point, I think, I don't know, check me on this, babyface or Alonzo, but I think the starter with probably the highest ERA maybe is, is Trevor power because his ERA is over four.
0: I believe you're correct. Uh, um, Julio Diaz uh, as, as we had not even mentioned him yet. Uh, I feel like also had himself a hell of a week aside from that shaky six inning you were talking about. He uh, he's using that changeup more instead of just relying on the heater and listen that's one of those things where if, if a dude like Julio who's already you know ranked highly as a as a number two guy can figure out a second and a third pitch it's over for you guys <laughs> it's it's not even fair because that dude already had electric stuff but now he's he's in the groove with, with the changeup but Walker Buehler, man that dude is he, he's quietly going out and showing everyone that that hey I know that everyone's talked about Julio I know everyone's talked about Trevor Bauer you know, you know, trying to figure out this fifth guy, but you all have forgot about me. And and Walker went out and and did that. And, and to your point, one, the run support wasn't necessarily there, but Walker Beeler went out and did what the thing. He went out and did the thing, and and he's solidifying himself as the number two guy as far as the rotation goes. And you know what? I'm not even mad about that because that's what we needed out of Walker Beeler. You know, he's not starting slow. He's not having those those woes where he's slow starting and and having issues you know you know getting getting deeper into the games or what have you that dude that dude came to play this year and i feel like that's what the dodgers that's the kind of the sort of mentality the dodgers needed if they were going to repeat they just had to come in and hit the ground running and and they've done that so i i listen like you said i i couldn't be happier with the way that this rotation started uh and and even of that you know real quick before we jump into the bullpen uh this week we <laughs> We, we're going to see something that uh, that we've all Talked about and uh, it's That first series against the Padres And uh, in pitching as far as that Goes your boy uh, that we Just talked about Walker Buehler Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Bauer are set to start against Those Padres so they're getting the rotation Against the show pods And I feel like that's that's You know, that's the sort of stuff that these guys are looking forward to where I think we might see the not, you know, I know we've seen the best, if you will, to a certain degree, Trevor Bauer's already taken a no hit into the seventh, if I'm not mistaken, Uh, you know, Walker's gone out and done the thing and then Kershaw's on the rebound. So I feel like now is the perfect time to go out and, and, uh, and showcase that, if you will, against the Padres, because that is going to be the rivalry for years to come, right? Uh, So I'm kind of curious. as far as the, uh, the bullpen goes, before we dive more deeper into the San Diego thing, who, who stood out to you this week in the bullpen?
1: Oh, I, I think there's only one name that actually stood out and was just was very impressive, and that was Canable. I mean, Corey Canable's ERA is zero on the season. I mean, he pitched four and a third innings this week with six Ks. And the guy is lights out. I mean, the one thing I will tell you, for those of you who watch the Sunday game, I was surprised that Roberts went to Kniebel in the seventh inning and instead of using him in the eighth, because the way that lineup was shaping up, you were going to get the top of the lineup in the eighth inning with the Nationals. I would have felt a lot more comfortable with Kniebel facing the top of the Nationals lineup than Blake Trinan. Now, Blake Trinan went ahead and, and got out of that jam in that Sunday game, but Corey Knievel has has been very impressive. I hope he stays healthy. He, that is in a wonderful insurance pro, uh, plan to have if, if, if the Jansen thing doesn't work out. And I know both we've talked about it on this show. We all have hot takes. We think the writing is on the wall for Jansen. So it's good to have that in your back pocket that, you know, if Jansen starts struggling and Jansen can't close out games, we got a guy like Corey Keneb.
0: Well, and Kenley uh, took that personally today because he went out there and dropped the hammer. And uh, and, and it's one of those things, too, where it's, it's interesting because obviously they're saying this is the best outing of the year and it's super early. But I get why Dave is doing that, that they're trying – to, to get all the positivity in the world to Kenley to kind of keep it going. And, and I get it. I a hundred percent get it. I, again, it's one of those things too, though, but with Kenley that, you know, he had the command today, he had the stuff. It was, it was great. And, uh, and he pitched the top of the zone. Like he, that's, that's Kenley, right? Vintage Kenley and, and getting swings and misses, obviously that's, that's the sort of stuff that you're looking for. Interestingly enough though, He's averaged, you know, about 90 miles an hour on his cutter and about 91 on his fastball. And and Sunday today, uh, his five cutters were at the 93 and a half mile an hour range, and he had uh, three two seam fastballs at 94. So obviously, it's a sample size. So let's just get that out of the way. It's a sample size, but it's also kind of eye opening because of how many people, myself included, have have essentially been shooting on Kenley Jansen because this is also a dude. You know, that, that is is no no just, you know, pedestrian pitcher. And he's gone out and done the thing. So I'm kind of curious, do, do you take that sample size and run with it kind of like how the Dodgers are alluding to? Or do you take it for what it is at face value and then just hopefully continue to progress on that?
1: Well, you know what it's, what's interesting about Jansen, because you're absolutely right. I feel like he is the favorite whipping boy uh, for the Dodgers, especially in, in the bullpen. But did you know that Kenley Jansen's ERA is 1.93? Uh, I mean, well, you, I did,
0: yes. But yeah, you, you would it. think
1: you would think the way we talk about him that his ERA is over six and that he's, you know, hard God gar- garbage. You hit it. I think the problem with Jansen so far early in this season has been his control. On the season, he has more walks than he has strikeouts. And, and that's not good because the minute he gets runners on base. You know, he pitches differently. You saw today when he mowed everybody down and there was nobody on base, you know, he hates holding runners on. And his control was an issue in that game in Oakland. And that's what led to it. But for me, you know, look, I'm rooting for Jansen. I want Jansen to be good. Because if you have a bullpen where you can trade out with Knable and Jansen – then that means every night you have a chance to win a game and you're not like, how are we going to close out this game? Because Jansen's not available. Well, guess what? If Jansen's not available, you got Corey Knebel. you can go to. And if Knebel's not available, you got Jansen. The one thing I am curious to see is that second game in Oakland, Jansen looked like he was struggling with his control already, so then on Wednesday, it was a lot of the same. So I am curious to see if they continue to use him on back-to-backs um, or if they might want to stay away from back-to-backs and then maybe rotate him and canable. But another guy in the bullpen that we haven't talked about today that I think has been really uh, good for the Dodgers has been Victor Gonzalez. And let me just point this out to Dodger fans. This bullpen still isn't at full strength because we still have Gratterall who hasn't, who hasn't come back yet. Once you add Graterol to this bullpen, you're going to have Graterol, Victor Gonzalez, Knable, Trinan, and Jansen. And I know, Alonzo, you've said you said this way from the beginning that this bullpen was had a possibility to be one of the best bullpens in, in the league. I, I'm just if if these guys can keep up what they're doing it's going to be a great season for the Dodgers, but the real test, and I know we said, you said we'd get into them later, is that series that's coming up next weekend, because you're, you're going to be facing a a team that's, that's after a good start also this year.
0: Well, and real quick, before we move on to, uh, to the Padres, Kevin Jansen to his credit has been working with Brandon McDaniel and his staff and Connor McGinnis uh, has been working with them too. He's been working really hard and, and all that jazz. And the Dodgers have made a point to bring that out and make it known that that's what's going on. I think they're doing it because, like you said, Kenley's kind of the whipping boy. you know. And I get it. There's expectations because of what he's been. I, I get it. I 100% get it. But this dude's also human, right? And he's going out there and trying to do trying to do the thing, but he's also doing it in real time in front of everyone. So you have to give credit where credit is due. He's going out there and putting in the work. And he's also trying to regain his spot, you know, and that's, that's huge for a guy like him, you know, kind of to get that fire lit under his ass, if you will, you know, the, the, the proverbial kick. And I don't think that's a bad thing because if, if that continues, then that's scary because not only do you have Corey Kahneman, not only do you have Kelly Jansen, not only do you have Blank Trinan, you can go Victor Gonzalez. You can go Gratterol when he comes back, you know, you can go, uh Uh, Morrow when he's healthy you know so I mean It's that that just kind of goes back to they, They in my opinion why they're One of the more elite bullpens is They set themselves up To be able to have that depth on The back end because obviously If your starters are going out there and giving you Six like Kershaw did today then you Just have to worry about that back end And that's where that's at but then the Other preposterous part of that is You have David Price who you can use in some Of those high leverage situations if a guy goes out In the fifth you have uh, you know, Tony Gonsolin went healthy You can have him go out there in the fifth Get you a couple long innings So, you know, it's one of those things where The Dodgers have set themselves up great with pitching And I can't complain about that And I mean, even statistically Victor Gonzalez's ERA is 3.38 this, So far And here we are nitpicking Kenley So it's one of those things where where It, it's, it doesn't do us justice If you will, to see what Kenley's doing Because we're, we're, we're so the, the expectation's there, right? And it makes it difficult to, to move, you know, oh, okay. Like the eye test, you know, the smell test. Oh, he's going out there and he, he just, he just threw 94 out of his back pocket. We haven't seen that in a while. So, you know, it's one of those things where, where it's a testament to, to the work that he does and the work that he puts in to, uh, to, you know, to really get, get him to where he's at, where, you know, he's, he, he's, he's keeping us on our toes. I will say that he's keeping us on our toes. And I feel like it's, it's trending in a good way, uh, for him to keep us on our toes that way, but uh. As we move ahead, looking ahead.
1: Wait, so, you before oh, you no. move ahead, I just yeah. want to give a quick shout out to a guy who gets a lot of grief on Dodgers social. Jimmy Nelson had a nice little bounce back, uh, yesterday in a very sticky situation there that he, he was able to get the Dodgers out of. So, I hope that's the beginning of, of something good for Jimmy Nelson because that's just an, another weapon that the Dodgers can use in the bullpen.
0: No lies detected. I mean, listen, no matter how we look at it, the Dodgers have such a nice cushion of of I guess comfort going into the into the later innings that it's not even fair. You know, because you have Jimmy Nelson, you have Kenley, you have Canable, you have Trinan, you have Victor Gonzalez. I mean, what do you do with that? You know what I mean? So it, it's it's just not fair, um, you know, to that. But you know, and to the Dodgers' credit as well, they're you know, they're they've only in, in the 10 games. The Dodgers only twice have uh, have relief have used relief pitchers on uh, on back to back days, including Jansen on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and then the other case was Victor Gonzalez. So it's one of those things where they have that flexibility where they can make it work. I mean, Corey Knebel has retired 13 of 14 batters this season. What the hell? I mean, and and that's that's a dude that essentially you know was on the chopping block And the Dodgers. You know, people were even like, why did the Dodgers trade for him? Well. Anyone that knows how the Dodgers operate There was a reason they traded for him And I mean obviously there's a reason And then and there it is um, and, uh, and just to give you one more preposterous Kershaw stat as we move ahead With the win today on Sunday Kershaw's career record, uh, career record improved To 177 and 77 Only eight pitchers in the divisional era So 1969 to now Have at least 100 more wins than losses I, I'm curious to see if you can name Those eight pitchers
1: oh wow uh i'm probably just gonna go with hall of famers then i'm gonna go greg maddox tom clavin tom siever uh jeez <laughs> why did i just go blank there uh randy johnson so yeah the easiest way is just to go with uh hall of famers then huh so i got three i got three i need uh five more huh yeah um jeez
0: one of the two of these, I don't think you're going to get.
1: Okay. Um, is Smoltz on there?
0: He's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's in, the, so in, the inter,
1: in the interest of time, just yeah. give me the rest of it. So
0: I was say, Pedro Martinez, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, nah, yes. Jim Palmer, Mike Messina, Andy Pettick, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. Wow. That ain't right. <laughs> but that's how good Kershaw is, though. I mean, it is what it is. But as we look ahead uh, to the week, you know, we talked about it a, a second ago. The uh, the Dodgers have uh, two series coming up this week. They have an off day Monday. Uh, they have a series with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, as Trevor Bauer and Dustin May will be going on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and then uh, Julio. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. I believe. Uh, yeah, I did. No, I'm no, you you had
1: it right. Bauer's going on Tuesday, and May's going on Wednesday.
0: On Wednesday, yes. Um, and then that would mean that uh, Walker Bueller. Uh, no, that's not true, actually. I'm reading something wrong here because Julio Urias is missing in there somewhere.
1: Now, I think Urias is probably scheduled to open the Padres series unless they're going to skip Bueller for Thursday. But then who are they going to have pitch on Thursday?
0: So let me just double check this because I feel like the internet's lying to me. Hold on one second.
1: Bueller uh, pitched on Friday. So right now he is lined up to pitch on Thursday.
0: Yes. So that
1: would mean that you would have Urias opening that San Diego series. So you're gonna have Urias, Kershaw, and Bauer. It's pitching. Bauer,
2: it's Bauer, May Urias
1: for Colorado.
0: There we go. Yeah. yeah, I knew there was I knew that I was missing something. There is three games. So they're to
1: gonna so Urias is pitching on short rest?
0: Um, you're Thursday. On Thursday. Yeah. Okay. I believe that's regular rest. Yeah, it is, um, it
1: is regular rest. Yeah,
0: so so the way it's stacking
1: up. Uh, so Anton- they're giving Bueller an extra day.
0: Yes, they're giving Bueller an extra day. So uh, so it'd be uh, Antonio senten, Cent- I can never say his name. Cenzenazella uh, and Trevor Bauer on Tuesday. Uh, John Gray and Dustin May. That should actually be a great pitching matchup. By the way, if you don't know anything about John Gray, my man can throw. That's gonna be a great game. Uh, you know, and-
1: I find that really interesting that they have manipulated that pitching staff so. Bueller, Kershaw, and Bauer. So the top three are going to go in that series. If San Diego ends up winning that series next weekend, what do you think that does to the Dodger psyche? They I mean, be, they, we lost the series with our top three going.
0: Well, and then the other interesting thing about that is Bellinger might be uh, might be returning in that series too. So and and Tatis and Tatis, yeah. Uh, and that was that was the next point is if 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 it's a full strength San Diego Padres and a full strength Dodgers team if I'm honest with you, I'm expecting those, what, what is it? 19 matchups, 22, something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm for the most part, expecting them to go, you know, 11 and 11, 13 and three, you know, it's the, like it's going to be even. Um, And the reason that I say that is, is that's what those two teams are capable of. You know, right now the second best record in baseball belongs to who San Diego Padres. So but wouldn't,
1: wouldn't you want to limit the number of times that they see your guys
0: because uh, you're not going to play him in the World Series. Uh, and
1: but you could play him in the NLCS.
0: You could, but in the postseason, it's totally different at the same time. I mean, that's the thing you have to remember, is it, 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 you're going to have situations that are going to come about where, let's say, just for, for argument's sake, there is those rare cases where a team doesn't see a reliever in entirety of a series, even if they're in a division, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So
0: you you and even of that the Dodgers aren't going to what's the word I'm looking for? They're not going to uh, to throw the, the entire kitchen sink because a lot of people think always, you know, oh, well, this te- we have this team figured out. We have this team figured out. And I mean, no matter what you play your divisional rivals, however many times a year. Right. So it's one of those things where you, you have to go out and do your thing. But at the same time, if we're being 100% honest, the Padres haven't seen this Dodgers team. And what I mean by that is they haven't seen Trevor Bauer. In my opinion, they haven't seen this Julio Diaz. And they also haven't seen this Dustin May. So it's one of those things where where that's where those, you know, you kind of have those aces in your pocket, if you will. And then, you know, you throw into the mix where with with teams that are that good evenly, it's just one of those things where you just have to go out and play and let the game do its thing. And I think what's going to be a huge factor in that series is the Dodgers leaving runners on base? No. Uh, that's going to be a huge, huge factor going into it because I think if there's any time, you know, to turn, you know, to turn the corner on that, it's going to be in that series, you know, because as we saw with the Colorado Rockies series when they started in Colorado, you know, even the Trevor Bauer game, they were winning ten to nothing, and then they came back and turned it around. That's one of those Coors games where they can just in a heartbeat turn that stuff around. Right now, they're coming to LA. It's a totally different dynamic, so it's one of those things where yeah, you may see that team a bunch, but the dynamics are going to be different when they go to your place or you go to their place. So I think what's going to be interesting is that this first series is in San Diego, and uh, and I also find it interesting, like you said, wait, no, but, isn't
1: it isn't it going to be at Dodger Stadium?
0: No, they're playing at San Diego. Oh, yeah, this this one's at San Diego, um, and then the other interesting thing, to your point, they worked it out where they get the top of their rotation. And, and it's one of those things where they're getting their horses. Uh, and then I think the other main thing is going to be is Kenley. You know, I think Kenley has an opportunity to make impacts in both of these series to not only just, you know, set aside the uh, the, the woes, if you will, um, but to just be like, okay, I'm good right now. I'm good right now. Uh, but I think the dude that also needs to have a huge, huge week is Trevor Bauer. Uh, you know, I think Trevor Bauer, he's getting two series starts, obviously, like you said, to your point. It's got a foreign foreign some change era um it's not like he's pitched terribly though it's not like he's had these you know i think the stats lie to you if you will oh, go ahead no, no
1: i i I think right now the only problem for trevor Bowers this season has been the seventh inning yeah because for six innings he's been he's been lights out so I mean for me i'm I'm what I'm eager about that series is the Dodgers have not lost a series so far this year. The Padres have, and they lost a series to the Giants. And, you know, the Giants are 6 and 3 right now. So, I don't know if that's an indicator that the Giants are actually going to be some uh, some, you know, somebody to contend with this year. But if the Padres end up losing to the Dodgers next if they lose the series next weekend, then you know, that's going to be two series that they've lost uh, to good teams. So it might say more about the Padres than it actually says about the Dodgers.
0: No. And I, I, I concur with that. I mean, I concur with that. Uh, I think though, I mean, going into this, we, we talked about it a little bit, you know, I think, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, that is, that someone needed to have the rebound and, and I think the Dodgers are are firing on all the cylinders. It's just a matter of refining that early season stuff. And obviously getting over those injury woes. And, but then again, the Dodgers can also afford a couple of injuries, maybe even as many as a few. Right. So I'm not overly worried on that end, but I, I I do think the Padres series is their first big test. And I, and you, and I mean, fans for sure have that series circled, right. As far as the Dodgers as a team go, I mean, they may just be looking at it like, Hey, these dudes are good on the other side. And, and we're just going to go out and, and continue to work on what we need to work on. And I hope that's the case. If I'm honest with you. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, I think the Rockies, uh, are, the Rocky series, is going to be sweet, and I think the Padres series, I think it'll be, I think it'll be two to one. Um, and and really, the only issue that I foresee is probably a, a Trevor Bauer seventh inning situation uh, that that they run into. But outside of that, unless they run into the leaving uh, runners on on uh, on base situation, still, uh, you know, I, I still think that the Dodgers have 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 their card.
1: I mean, I agree with you. I I think the Dodgers win the series. I am curious to see if there is going to be a shorter leash on Bauer uh, in his next outing. Uh, He did go over 100 pitches in his last start in Oakland. So I think he's the first Dodger starter to actually go over 100 pitches. So I am curious to see if they're going to continue to stretch him out. And I'm curious to see if this seventh inning ends up becoming a storyline like it once was for Kershaw. Remember there was that this, Kershaw had a seventh inning storyline with him. So I am eager to see how Bauer pitches in and, and I hope that these plays, I really hope he plays next week because I don't want any excuses from, from Padre fan. I, I want the team to full strength and I, and I think it would be good. I, I I think the Dodgers need the motivation. I think that's the other the reason why I find it so impressive that so far they have taken care of business. They've won every series they've been in. I, I think they they cannot afford to have a letdown. They cannot afford to sit there and think, okay, we're good. You know? So I, I predict that the Dodgers will win two out of three next weekend, also
0: and and as we begin to wrap this up here Roger uh, what is i mean i already know the answer to this but i just want to hear it from you what is your prediction for those two series uh, this upcoming week three and three right three
2: three game
0: three
2: games
0: yeah yeah three and, and three 6 and 0 oh. <laughs> see i mean i could have said that for you but i mean i just i just wanted you to be on the record so that way when the disappointment comes overcomes you because they lost one of those six games then we know we're then we know it is isn't a lie. 6 and 0.
2: Oh, and I'll and I'll take
1: uh I'll take 5 and 1 but
0: oh you'll take that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll
0: he'll, he'll take for that. that?
1: Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't say that the Dodgers would win 4 out of 3 versus the Padres next weekend.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they went 7 and 0. Oh. Where's the 7th game? They played four against the Padres. Uh one last note on Trevor Bauer by the way. Uh through two starts this season, Bauer has a uh, has just allowed one hit. To opposing hitters in the first six innings of games but that seventh inning that we just talked about uh bauer has given up three homers and opponents have a 625 average against him. so that seventh inning whoa is a uh, is it's hopefully it's not a trend right because i mean all things considered he's one and oh with the 415 era and 20 strikeouts that's not a terrible line because kershaw has 16 strikeouts dustin may has eight julio has nine uh, I can't see the Walker one here right now. I apologize, but I believe he's in the same range, the eight or nine. So, I mean, twenty strikeouts to start a season isn't a bad thing to, to have. In comparison, Max Scherzer has fourteen. So, you know, it's one of those things where hopefully he can get over those woes. But on that note, we uh, we will see you next week. Again, programming note: we are dropping these on Monday. So, if you expected to hear this on Thursday, uh, psych. That was just a special one because it was Adrian Gonzalez. And uh, if you haven't listened to that. Uh, Please check that one out It was a special drop uh, For opening day at the Ravine Uh, But uh, we will catch you next week It's your boys Alonso y Juan Here on, on the Bleed Los podcast We will see you next week